You are listening to the Liquid Flannel Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Chuck Williams. Joining me in Nebraska is Brendan Williams. Brendan, how are you doing? I'm doing good, man. Trying to keep up with it. Trying to keep up. It is an exhaustive labor of love, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> and joining us in Arlington, Texas, is the great Matt Hodges. Matt, how's it going? It's it's going great. Um, thanks to a generous gift from one of our corporate sponsors, I am no longer recording from the bottom of a metal trash can. Oh yes, <laughs> we. I mean, we take corporate gifts sometimes, but. I know that it's not going to affect our editorial policy, especially when we're enjoying fresh ingredients and perfectly cooked bread at Subway. Uh, Eat fresh. (laughs) Have it your way. Right. There you go. (laughs) I'm loving it. Well, and it's going to work out great because we've got a lot of stuff to talk about. So let's just jump right in. younger and one of the things that we talked about a lot was if you ever won the lottery just have a stenographer follow us around because we get to the end of the conversation and go that was fun that was a funny thing that i'd like to have a record of i feel like that's kind of what this podcast is sometimes no absolutely we're living the dream do you remember justin tv which is now twitch i know twitch so justin tv was the same company as twitch and then Twitch was like a spinoff of it that was like, hey, it's the same thing, but for video games, you guys. Yeah. And then it got so popular that Amazon purchased it for like a kajillion dollars. <laughs> it started because there was this dude in college who was like, if I carry a laptop around in my backpack, I can live stream my entire life. Mm-hmm. He started a website called Justin TV where he like attached a webcam to like a hat or something. And just walked around and just live streamed his entire life. He's just GoProing his life. He just did it because he thought it was funny. And then, like, he built the website into a platform where other people could stream. And then eventually spun off Twitch and then sold it to Amazon for a gajillion dollars. Yeah, nice. It's a pretty crazy story. I mean, do yeah. you think this is like, and there was, there was an episode of Black Mirror about this, but do you think that in the future that will be like just commonplace that people are just like yep no i'm just streaming life that's just what i do certainly i I think that's definitely going to happen we're seeing precursors of that with i mean youtube stars we're all a little old to follow them but there are people who are in their teens still who have three million followers on youtube because that's basically what they do they're live video blogging their life it's just a small step then to recording literally everything you do Orson Scott Card wrote a story about this, actually. Like the Truman Show. It's kind of like the Truman Show. There was another movie <laughs> I was trying to think of, like Ed TV. A voluntary version. Or wait, no, it was Woody Harrelson? Woody no. Harrelson, I think. And that was the yeah. point, right? It was the Truman Show, except the guy knew what he was getting into. Right. He did it himself or whatever. Right. He was like, I'm going to start my own channel. It's all about me. I mean, I guess I shouldn't I shouldn't talk it down too much because basically we're asking people to listen to us just sitting around drinking beers and having conversations. So absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> There's not even a, a, a video <laughs> element to it. <laughs> Man, you're you're limiting our our base now. I don't think the people who are following the teenage YouTube stars are going to be listening to Liquid Flannel. I could be wrong, and we're definitely happy to have those listeners. They want to but... hear past their prime stars, <laughs> you know, <laughs> with all the dad jokes. Speaking of dad jokes, there was a unfortunate mishap 
with the fatherland. <laughs> Did you see that article about the uh, German national anthem that was played at a U.S. tennis tournament? I think it was in Hawaii or something. <laughs> oh, no. German tennis team outraged as U.S. plays Nazi version of Anthem. The team responded with outrage after the United States Tennis Association made the embarrassing error of playing the Nazi-era version of Germany's national anthem during a Fed Cup tie in Hawaii. Yikes. That's pretty crazy. First of all, I feel like if there's two versions, you would look up... Not Nazi version, you know. <laughs> I mean, that's what happens when you just Google real quick before the mm-hmm. thing. You just pull it up on YouTube or whatever. Did you ever see that show, The Jacksons, about the Jackson 5? And they're, like, flying to this uh, baseball game. I think it was the All-Star game to sing the national anthem. And their agent realized none of them knew, how to s- knew the words to the national anthem. Because they never went to sporting events or anything, because they, they were, were just Jehovah's Witnesses, <laughs> oh, and, yeah. <laughs> and and always practicing and all of that kind of stuff, child exploitation, etc. But they had to learn it on the way on the plane. They had to learn the national anthem to sing it in time for this event. Well, and they didn't even have internet, so it was like, how can you get it right back yeah. then, and then Thankfully, not get it right back now? Back in the day, every plane had just sheet music versions yeah. of it, just for such an event. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> These German, exactly. It's like in case plane is going down, here is your national Pass anthem. To it's, yeah. it's what they had instead of Sky Mall back in the day, right? <laughs> oh, now you su- can entertain your friends with the national anthem, the new Sousa catalog. I, this is why I love flying, <laughs> right? Including the slavery stances. <laughs> <laughs> what Germany should do to retaliate, just in good fun, maybe good trolling fun, is at the next sporting event that they host with the U.S., maybe what they should do is instead of playing the U.S. National Anthem, play Dixieland or something, <laughs> or just play, or maybe play a Negro Spiritual or something. Just like swing low. <laughs> the athletes are looking around like, what's going the on? Or they should just play the theme from the Apprentice TV show. Because that's like, that's the real national anthem anyway. Oh, yeah. That would be great. That would be great. Enemies of freedom. Face the music. Come on, boys. Take them down. President Donald Trump knows how to make America great. Deal from strength or get crushed every time. I heard recently that there's some investment house that has constructed a bot that will short sell any company Trump names negatively in a tweet. I don't know exactly how the algorithm works, but I've wondered if they're having to reconfigure the thing now, because at this point, the Trump effect seems to be more positive than negative. Right. So you're saying when Trump is slamming Nordstrom's, you buy Nordstrom's. Yeah. You buy the holding company and then you sell it 20 minutes later and you catch a little bump there. I mean, Trump See, again, has to be smart enough to figure this you out. You just need a newspaper or a Twitter account right now. Ah, uh, no, you know? all trading's done by computers now anyway. They've got the computer trained in such a way that if he mentions a publicly traded stock and it the tweet also contains the word sad or awful or, you know, his limited vocabulary of negative words, then it'll just sell that stock immediately. And then buy it back about 20 minutes later, and it seems to be working out for them. 
Yeah, they just need to like tie it into Trump's current approval rate, really, to just <laughs> seal the deal. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> just fully automated. Oh man, I don't know why we're broadcasting this. We ought to do this ourselves. <laughs> Although, you know, at this point, his approval rate is like tanking so hard. I mean, you don't even really need to pay that close attention right. to it because it's really just in total freefall. I mean, he started at like forty-five disapproval, and he's over fifty-five disapproval now, which is. George Bush had to start two failed wars <laughs> right. uh, in order to, to get to this shit. disapproval rate. It took like six years. Or, mm-hmm. I mean, he put in the work. Seriously. And Trump has just <laughs> blown him away in the race to the bottom of the disapproval hey, rate. Trump is always taking shortcuts. It's part of why he's such a successful businessman. I mean, he's right. I'm tired of winning. I'm tired of him winning the race to record disapproval ratings. Everybody want to talk like they got something to say. But he hadn't done what we'd done done to earn what we'd done earned. Trump's all about the Benjamins, you know. That's why he's got to go hit up Nordstrom's on Twitter. Basically just turning the entire presidency into QVC by no, now. Well, we saw the start of that with those uh, those red Make America Great hat Christmas ornaments that they initially were selling for $100 or something. And then they got marked down to 25 but the thing that concerns me more is he has heads of state staying at his Mar-a-Lago resort and the other people who get to be in the room while he's talking statecraft apparently <laughs> on the patio with a bunch of other it's diners. The waiter. Right. Well, the didn't you hear he bus boy. he donated that room to to Charity. the prime minister of Japan. So oh. he didn't pay for it. So Constitution bypassed. I'm not talking about the emoluments clause. I'm talking about a story that I read where they didn't have enough light out there to look at important documents, so they had staffers standing around with their cell phone lights casting light on these documents. Yeah, and as we know, when people have their cell phones out, they never take pictures they're not supposed to. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Right, or, you know, (laughs) what is even more horrifying is that the Snowden leaks revealed that the NSA or even other foreign governments may have hacked these phones. I mean, you're telling me that everyone's phone who's in Mar-a-Lago in the in the president's zone is 100% secure? That's right. not the the camera's not being used by the Chinese or the, or the Russians Do or the whatever. Do the cameras to even need take... to be secure? The membership list at Mar-a-Lago is private. We have no idea who's a member there. Right. Dude, yeah. I, there could literally be spies. If any foreign government was smart, they would have immediately been like, I'd like a membership, please. Oh, yeah. They probably did it a year ago. Right. I'm sure that Trump does extreme vetting of all his Mar-a-Lago <laughs> membership applications, though. The extreme vetting consists of, do you have $200,000? Yes, you do. You're you're in. You, you made it. Congratulations. How is there not one person in that room? To stand up and go like, wait a minute, maybe this is a bad idea to be discussing our response to the North Korean missile test in the middle of a crowded dining room full of people who (laughs) who knows who is there. One of the uh, patrons of the Mar-a-Lago Resort had apparently... taken a picture with someone carrying the nuclear football. Right, and then posted a Facebook post and yeah. was like, this is Bob, he carries the nuclear right. football. Right, seriously, that's like, 
the most secure thing. And it's like anybody could have been, you know, a waiter or a busboy. You could literally plant anyone anywhere. You know that dude's phone isn't secure or Facebook isn't going to be secure. I'm pretty sure. So Yeah, absolutely. And meanwhile, we have top-ranking intelligence officials saying they're pretty sure that there's something compromised within the situation room. And a lot of the intelligence top brass have started using encrypted channels to discuss things with each other because they're not sure that if they tell the president, those things are going to stay secure. So I read that I read that article about the compromised situation room. There's there's two potential meanings there. One is that it's electronically compromised, which is very possible because if Trump is has an unsecured Android phone that he keeps with him, it's just a microphone that and camera. The government or foreign governments are able to listen to what's going on in the room. As much as they've made a big stink about the security of classified information during the campaign. I'm not really getting the strong vibe, you know, <laughs> electronic security vibes from Trump, especially since he's using his old phone, even after they said, well, we told him to stop using it. And he said that he would stop using it. But now he just keeps using it. And right. what are, what are we going to do? Like, we told him to stop, but he's not going to stop. So we, we can't arrest him for not doing it. It's just a recommendation. But the second thing that it could mean is that there's compromised people in the room, meaning high-ranking members of the Trump administration are leaking the information to Russia, right? Which you'd say, well, that's crazy. <sighs> Except now they've revealed that Michael Flynn did 100% exactly that. Yeah. He called the, the sanctions. He called diplomats in, in Russia before Trump was even sworn in and said, Hey, let's talk about all the sanctions uh, that that Obama put on you. Like, maybe don't worry about that so much. I mean, that's legit the definition of... He couldn't remember. I mean, I guess it is treason, right? Is, is that the word? I don't know. I mean, no. it's literally taking confidential information, sharing it with a foreign government, you know, inappropriately. Espionage? Yeah. I don't know. So, I mean, that dude legit did Not that. good shit. How about that? So, I mean, it's not even a hypothetical at this point. Right. Like, it's clear that, like, high-ranking members of the Trump administration, like National Security Advisor Michael Flynn, are actively giving our government's information to the Russian government. But this is always the question. What can be done about it? What is the consequence for it? Is there a consequence for it? Well, I mean... with a with a Republican Congress... Because it's it's Congress that has to bring articles of impeachment. There's no citizen initiative for a vote of no confidence, which, you know, we can sure. talk about. That's that's one of the benefits of a parliamentary system. You can do a referendum, and if the people say this person's messing up, you can vote them out. But with a Republican Congress that seems to be pretty willing to go along with Trump's and Trump's administration's shenanigans in order to get their wish list through, I'm not sure there's a whole lot you can do except continue to raise awareness, get people out in 2018, and let's take over some of these state governments and get these congressional seats turned over to people who will want to follow up on these things, create an investigate, you know, a, a special investigative committee well, the other thing you could do is you can call your representatives every single day and say, 
what is your view about Michael Flynn? Are, why aren't you calling on Michael Flynn to resign? And until they make a statement as to why they're not doing that. Because I'd like to hear that excuse. I'd like to hear what it is. If if there's Republican Congress people out there who don't want Michael Flynn to resign after this information has come out, that he's actively leaking classified information to the Russian government, then why? <laughs> What's the possible reason? Michael Flynn, General Flynn, is a wonderful man. I think he's been treated very, very unfairly by the media as I call it, the fake media in many cases. And uh, I think it's really a sad thing that he was treated so badly. And people are trying to cover up for a terrible loss that the Democrats had under Hillary Clinton. I think it's very, very unfair what's happened to General Flynn, the way he was treated, and the documents and papers that were illegally, I stress that, illegally leaked. Very, very unfair. Wow. <laughs> Our listeners can't see it, but Chuck just sat there, sort of gray-faced, um, is rubbing the bridge of his nose right now. <laughs> well, you know, I, I was just thinking, this is the kind of stuff, I mean, back in the day, you would be killed for this kind of stuff, it seems like. But Trump said while he was campaigning, Hillary Clinton's leaked emails or whatever gave classified information to foreign governments, back in the day, you, that would get you shot. You'd yeah. be shot for that. But now that the shoe's on the other foot, he's like, well, you know, it's it's fine. You know, I, tr- I like... We should I give like it a chance. <laughs> it's almost like give security protocols were not the thing that his followers were really interested in. Oh, no. Right. And I forgot to mention the best part is that he blatantly lied and said, no, we didn't talk about that stuff. We didn't talk about sanctions or anything. And then he told Mike Pence that he didn't talk about sanctions. And then Mike Pence went on TV and said, no, he didn't talk about sanctions. That That's outrageous. How dare you make an outrageous accusation like that? It has to backtrack it. Well, or he hasn't no. done it yet. But no, I guess technically you don't have to backtrack uh, it. I'd like to I'd like to see it. In Trumplandia. But we'll see. I mean, so Trump met with Justin Trudeau, the prime minister of Canada today. And they had a joint press conference where Trump took two questions from conservative journalists. And strangely, they didn't ask him about this Michael Flynn situation. Right. So, and he only took two questions. And went in for that crazy handshake. That's. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, did he pull the the handshake trick with Trudeau? I mean, it looked like, so there's two different handshake events. And they're both actually quite, quite hilarious. Trump's handshakes have been out of control. So I think it started with the Supreme Court guy, Gorsuch. There's video of him shaking his hand where he does this like grab and then like a jerk pull. A pull in. Yeah. Which I think is some sort of like macho intimidation handshake. I don't know what else or something. I've never seen anyone shake hands like that before. Could it be the male equivalent of grabbing them by the... You know, <laughs> that's I right. Mean, he just can't help himself like, when he sees those beautiful big hands. He just duty, has to grab has them to and do that and yank them. Otherwise, to be like, I'm the dominant one here. It's compulsive for him. But yeah. he did it with the prime minister of Japan as well. And they had like a really awkward handshake where he's like jerking his hand back and forth. And he, the, the, after they were done shaking hands, the prime minister turned away and was like, oh, God. Roll yeah, his no, that eyes. face he made was amazing. But seriously... If you learn anything about there being different business customs 
with any country ever, it's going to be the one about Japan because there are all of these kind of interesting to a Westerner rules about how deeply and long you bow and how you handle somebody's business card to show respect to them. These are things that any other head of state gets a little briefing on before they meet the prime minister of Japan and Donald Trump. I don't know. This this uh, this macho posturing is awful. We learned about that in business school. They would tell you, look, in these kind of cultures, this is how you negotiate. Don't negotiate directly with the person. You negotiate with an intermediary or a liaison. Hmm. You you would think that the guy that's got all these international business deals would know that kind of thing. But I think he just has to do it do it my way. Well, right, exactly. That's his power it's play like, is uh, to sure. say who cares how you have to bow? I'm just going to jerk their hand and show them who's real boss around here. And on the other hand, there was this article that came out over the weekend that said Trump seems kind of perplexed in conversations with aides because you can't run diplomacy like a business. Uh, this is a thing that he ran on was we need to be making better deals. And he sees everything as as if he were running a high-powered business where you can kind of bully people into things. But that's not how diplomacy works. He once said, I, I, I think it's in one of his books, that the conventional wisdom about how a negotiation needs to end up with both parties walking away happy isn't true, that that's a bad way of negotiation, that he really does see things as zero-sum. If you walk away happy, I must be equivalently unhappy with that, with that deal. And that's not how diplomacy works at all. Trump thinks that in order to, quote, win his phone calls with other world leaders, they have to just be miserable and angry when they get off the phone with right. him. And somehow that's a great victory for America. Even going so far as to get into an unnecessary argument with the prime minister of Australia for yeah. absolutely no gain. Someone brought up that he may have gone into that discussion with such an aggressive stance because he doesn't understand what the Liberal Party of Australia actually is. <laughs> he was already on right. edge. He doesn't understand a lot of things before going into it. You know. One of my favorite Trump not understanding things recently was yes. uh, back to Japan when they were giving the joint press conference with the Prime Minister of Japan. At the beginning of the press conference, the Prime Minister was giving his remarks and what Trump is supposed to be doing is grabbing the translator earpiece on his podium and listening yeah, to it. Man. And either he forgot or didn't know that he was supposed to be doing that. So instead, he just pretended like he was listening to <laughs> him speak in Japanese without a translator and just nod along and be like, oh, uh, he made a joke. Ha 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 ha. One of my favorite jams here. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this guy is really prepared for presidenting. And you, then there was the the call with Russia. Oh, yeah. You mean where they ask him about that nuclear disarmament? For, right. And uh, he's like, uh, hold on one second. What? What is this? <laughs> <laughs> let, me, let me put you on hold there, Vlad. Yeah. What's the nuclear disarmament treaty? Oh, it was a thing Obama did. No, okay, never mind. Got it. Hate it. Worst deal ever. I, I think that's also one of his strategies for creating power imbalance in the conversation. I just put Vladimir Putin on hold. Uh, Putin didn't need to know why that happened. No, the one, 
<laughs> it's it's right along these lines, but the one that's really bothering me is the transcript of a conversation that he was having with a uh, major police uh, law enforcement union about civil asset forfeiture, which is the process by which police are able to take property and cash that they believe is involved in some criminal enterprise without ever needing to prove that in court. Um, whether charges are brought, much less whether a conviction ever actually happens. And there are all of these horrible stories about, you know, a couple was driving to Arizona or something with a bunch of cash in a bag to buy a used car. They were going to buy it in cash and they got pulled over and the cop basically said, either I can take this money that you're obviously going to be dealing drugs with, or we're going to arrest you and your kid's going to go into child protective services for the next couple of weeks while we sort all this out. And so of course they signed the money over this conversation between the law enforcement organization and Donald Trump. It was clear at the beginning that he had no idea what this term meant when the person who was asking the question brought it up and he asked his sort of train of thought questions like he does sometimes and got a completely insufficient and largely inaccurate understanding of what the thing was. And then you saw his train of thought into, he said something like, so there are people in Congress who want drug dealers to be able to keep giant amounts of drugs. You know, that's wrong. Of course, we're against that thing. So now he's against civil asset forfeiture reform. Because he thinks it means give drugs back to drug dealers yeah, instead exactly. of take innocent people's money when they haven't even committed a crime. Right. Team give drugs back to drug dealers has exactly zero people on it, but that's his enemy now. Because it's easier to be an enemy of things that don't exist because then you always win that fight. <laughs> right. And the best part about the conversation, too, was his initial reaction after the guy said it. He was like, there's this this state senator wants to change the law to say that people actually have to be convicted of a crime before we can take all their money and keep it forever. Well, and it's not just money. I mean, it, it bears pointing out we're talking about cars and houses, people's real property. But Trump's response and to then, that so, was... Yeah, and so Trump says, oh... Well, what's that guy's name? Let's ruin his career. <laughs> about about it. <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, I'm glad. Clearly, you're coming at this issue from a, a thought through perspective. Right. You know, thank you so much for contributing and for listening. Mm -hmm. You've really got the solution there. Who's this so-called politician? If you were still just a reality TV star, that wouldn't even matter because nobody really cared what he believed about. <laughs> birtherism before he was right. in office but now he's I the mean, chief policy advocate of the most powerful country in the world that's I mean, insane he, he is still a reality tv star he just moved to a different show called 24-hour international news yeah it's right. the greatest reality show of all time oh speaking of news and he's winning he's did winning this reality show <laughs> did you hear that steve miller guy this weekend oh god on the news circuits at all matt not not the Steve Miller who sang Space Cowboy. Not cool Steve Miller. Oh, okay. very very well, extremely uncool Steve Miller. Yeah. Some call me the gangster of love. Some people call me Maurice. <laughs>
impetus of love. Uncle Steve Miller basically went on and did interviews where he read a teleprompter, which I don't understand how you can do an interview with a teleprompter, but he was doing these and he said the result of this is that all of the world will know that our power is very substantial and not to be questioned. Oh yeah, and speaking specifically about the courts, that the president's authority will not be questioned. Like, man, we've got a... There's a document, like, you can walk down the street to the National Archives. It, they keep it under glass. I've seen it. I know it's there. But it he's not even not big enough to fill in his suits. I mean, he looks like he's just drowning in this shit, trying to make this threat by reading a teleprompter. Well, what's really weird to me is that guy's 31. He looks like he's a skeleton man. You have to be properly aged to be senior advisor, regardless of your age. So you can be 31. He looks old enough to be a senior advisor to Donald Trump, but I don't know why his looks mismatch with how old he is so badly. Did you see that dude, Stephen Miller, he went to college with Richard Spencer? Yes. And they were in some of the same, like, college conservative groups or whatever. Mm Mm-hmm. But, you know, that doesn't mean anything. I'm sure that... I'm sure that the government of Trump isn't white supremacist or anything. I mean, just because they're friends with a lot of white supremacists. Because they're just friendly. They're just friendly people. But, or is Richard Spencer white supremacist and anti-Semitic? Because if he is, that makes no sense whatsoever. Well, Jews didn't used to be white, but now they are. So, that's that's the thing. But they're still Jewish. And I thought that those guys, the hardcore guys, I thought that they still were anti-Semitic. I mean, it's weird. I mean, it is. It goes against the old-fashioned kind of bigotry that I was raised right. on. Well, and it's perfect know, because. I'm from the old school. Right. I mean, it's it's perfect because it gives them that cover, right? To say, yeah. well, no, of course we're not. That's, this guy's Jewish, you know? Right. So, of we're course We're just nationalists. Not. There's just no, there's no reason that we just decided to say. Nothing about Jews on Holocaust Remembrance Day in our statement about Holocaust Remembrance Day. We omitted references to Jews. Right. That's not anti-Jewish right. because look at these Jewish people we're hanging out with. It's also their cover for saying the alt-right is not homophobic because, look, Milo is one of our biggest voices and he's super gay. And we're not racist because Milo likes to sleep with black guys. Trump's not sexist. He sleeps with women all the time. Why are you saying he <laughs> disrespects women? He treats them very beautifully down there huge you know. yes bigly he treats them bigly all over <laughs> bigly is gonna end up being the oxford english dictionary's word of 2016 and that just kills me <laughs> i think he'll find another way to top it before the year is out oh actually you know what i just realized it can't be because bigly is actually a word in english that's not what trump is saying I believe what he's trying to say is big league, but he just kind of runs it together. It's his Queen's accent that comes out. But bigly, I remember reading an article, bigly is actually a word in English. Nobody uses it because it sounds ridiculous. It sounds like a thing that a child would make up. <laughs> right. You know, speaking of Milo, did you see that article that I had posted about him? Part of his troll army or whatever? Well, not part of his troll army, but part of some other dude's troll army. And this dude basically created the blueprint that Milo and all these guys is 
guys are using today. My favorite part was where he talked about how they bought a bunch of ads, the subway or like the mm-hmm. the L in Chicago or something. They bought these ads offensive. that were offensive and then they called in complaints. Right. Organized a campaign to call in complaints about their own ads until the ads got taken down. And, and then they acted like, this is outrageous. Our yeah. rights are being trampled. Exactly. It was like win-win, just like drumming up non-existent drama for money and book deals. And it worked 100%. And those alt-right dudes were coming up to him and saying, thank you. Your book worked. So I don't know. Right. I mean, uh, they they believe that the, the alt-right believes that they're – trolling and memery won trump the presidency which you know maybe it did (laughs) for all i know maybe it did i think that's probably a good stopping point here any high note well i have one if you if you guys don't have one yesterday i watched princess mononoke and that movie is amazing agreed it had newfound relevance to me in our current political environment because the basic plot of the movie, this is a uh, an anime from uh, Studio Ghibli, uh, Hayao Miyazaki. Hayao Miyazaki. Beautifully animated. This movie is also really long, too. I didn't realize how long it was. It drags a little bit. I mean, it's a great story, but it, it takes its time. I mean, and that's one of the beautiful things about it is that it's so masterfully done and it is so long. You're like, I can't believe this is still happening and it's at such a high quality. But wow. the basic story is that a boy is attacked by an, an animal that's like got some sort of like, you know, magical darkness sickness thing and it infects him. And so he goes on a journey to figure out, you know, what's going on. And what he finds is a society of humans has started making guns, shooting the ancient, powerful forest spirit animals. These totemic animals. So there's like giant wolves, giant boars. They're trying to drive them off of the forest so that they can mine for iron to make more guns and, you know, more more stuff. Mm. Uh, and it's kind of killing the ancient forest. So it all comes into kind of like a climactic battle of kind of nature versus man. Not even man, because he's he's a prince of a small village that lives in harmony with nature. They've never had these problems. It's this truly expansionist, industrialized humanity that's causing this um, And the really neat thing about it is that it's all shades of gray, right? Is that the people are saying, well, look, we're doing this so that we can build a better life for ourselves and for the undertrodden people. And a lot of the people who work in the in the mines and stuff are like lepers or people that were working in brothels before saying like, well, hey, it's better than this, you know? Sorry that it hurts the the forest or whatever, but, like, I just got to live and take care of me, you know? Um, And there's a girl who was raised by wolves who's kind of, like, fighting on the side of the forest. Princess Mononoke. Titular Princess Mononoke. But so, spoilers, no one really wins in this situation. It's terrible for for both sides. And I think is sadly a message that still resonates today in so many ways. Well, that was a really nice high note. (laughs) (laughs) These high notes. Yeah, we, high notes we always need backfire. to start having a group huddle about the high notes. It's I think. it's a beautiful, <laughs> it's a beautiful film. 
It's it's beautiful. Okay, okay. Well, that's cool. I'll have to check it out. What was it called? Mononoke. Princess Mononoke. Princess Mononoke. God, it must there be it, it must be pretty old now, but man, it holds up so good. Okay. Yeah. From the same studio that made uh, Spirited Away, which was an excellent film that more people heard about. And I did hear that you had read a couple chapters in 1984. I just ordered a copy of that, so hopefully we can uh, maybe get on that sometime. Yeah, soon. it's been yeah. interesting. It's a really so. um. It's it's a it's a quick read, so you know I was kind of apprehensive to pick it up because I was worried that it was going to be hard to get into. Yeah, but it's not hard to get into okay. at all. It's it's really easy, and I, I think it does a pretty good job of of drawing you in. Okay. So I've read a, a couple chapters so far. I'm just cool. finishing up this Civil War book that I'm reading, and then 1984 is next on the list. I'll get caught up with you. So Perfect. you know, all you fans out there. It's time for the 1984 read along. There you go. Um, you know, you got to maybe a couple weeks or so get caught up That's and uh, right. we can all read it together. It'll be fun. And you can uh, discuss it with us on Twitter at liquid underscore flannel. Boom. And you can follow us individually. You can find me at Shaggy Two Trope. Brendan, where can they find you? I'm at Brendan Williams with one L. And where can we find you, Matt? I'm at Matt the Great with one W. <laughs> and there you have it. Thank you for tuning in to Liquid Flannel Podcast and uh, join us again next week. Have a good one. <laughs> Dig into the subway tray. Pick your pick you your go. condiments. Oh yeah. I, I couldn't even remember if Eat Fresh was still the subway slogan, so that's just what I went yeah. with. Oh, I'm not even sure. <laughs> the, the subway slogan is please don't remember Jared Pope. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no. It's like we just pulled you out of the trash can and then said, Let's jump right back in with all this trash <laughs> conversation. Anyways. That was oh my god, did you guys record that last little bit? Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs>